Turn with me please this morning to 1 Timothy 6 and 12. 1 Timothy the 6th chapter and the 12th verse. Anybody know what we're going to talk about? 1 Timothy 6.12. Say it out loud with me. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's say it again. Fight the good fight of faith. One more time. Fight the good fight of faith. Is there a fight to be fought? There is. What's going to happen if you don't fight? You're going to be defeated and destroyed. It's not a fist fight. It's not a flesh fight. What kind of fight is it? It's a faith fight. Well, if you need to fight and it's a faith fight, you need to learn something about faith. What kind of fight be a good fight? You said, boy, they beat me to a pulp, but it was a good fight. (laughs) No, uh uh-uh, no. Good fight is a fight you win. He said, lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Go with me to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and we see... In my understanding, one of the clearest passages on how spiritual warfare is waged. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and the 3rd verse. He said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Ephesians 6, that we'll see in a moment, he talks about that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. People's not our problem. You ought to say that out loud. People are not my problem. Now I know it may look like it sometimes. Sound like it and feel like it. But really they're not. You could take the meanest. Most ornery. Obstinate. Hard to get along with person. Most selfish. Twisted. Perverted person. Get them saved. Get them filled with the spirit. Get them walking in love and walking by faith. Could be one of the best friends you ever had. The problem is them yielding to wrong influences. And it's the influences behind them that's your enemy. Not the man. Not the woman. How many think we need to remind ourselves of this frequently? I want you to say it again. People are not my problem. Do you have an enemy though? Yeah, you do. You do. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. Keep reading. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not physical. They're not natural. But they're real. And they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, there's not even a period after the word strongholds. So don't let your mind wander in all kind of directions what a stronghold might mean. He tells you exactly what kind of strongholds he's talking about in the very next phrase. What kind of strongholds? He's talking about strongholds in your thinking. Casting down imaginations. Imaginations. Image. Images. This would include fantasies. Of all kinds. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I don't care how it may sound. uh, How... People may want it to be true. If it's contrary to any part of the word of God, what do you need to do? You need to slam it. Had a fellow tell me one time years ago after preaching on this, he said, Brother Keith, I got it. I got it. I got it. Every mind needs a bouncer at the door. (laughs) Maybe he's telling off on where he spent a lot of his time previously. But it's the truth. It's the truth. You, when, when any kind of thought, any kind of suggestion, any kind of feeling, imagination, fantasy, whatever comes to you, you do not just need to let it in and relax and think about it and ponder it and dwell on it. You need to examine it. Amen. Are you in line with the Word? Are you in line with the will of God and what's right? And if not, don't let it in. Amen. If you'd already let it in, kick it out. Amen. Casting down. Imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity. Notice these next two words. Every 
thought. Does every thought matter? This is the thing many have not believed. They thought, well, you know, as long as you don't do it, then, you know, it doesn't matter. That's not true. That's not true. Where do these thoughts and feelings come from? Thoughts of truth, God's thoughts, come from God. And there's life in them. Anybody remember Romans 8 says, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Does it matter what you think about? According to Romans 8, it's a matter of life and death. What you think about. If, If you look back, every big decision that you made... And decisions set you on a course and a direction in life. Before you made that decision, before you did that, it was a thought. It came to you in every mistake that you ever made. If you'd have recognized it when the thought first came. And you'd have cashed that down and said, no, that's not right and I'm not doing that. You would have never made that mistake. But when you think about it and you dwell on it and you ponder it. And you imagine it and you fantasize about it. You keep doing that long enough. You'll become obsessed with that. And eventually you'll act on it. And it can ruin your life. It can destroy your life. So when a thought comes. You know. Even the most holy. Saint of God. Child of God. Has found coming to their mind. Thoughts that were impure. That were perverted. That were wrong. And the devil, he's such a sorry cuss, he'll bring you the thoughts and feelings and then accuse you for thinking them. He'll say, look at you. Supposed to be a Christian thinking about that. What's wrong with you? Are you even saved? He's the one that brought it to you. And you got to distinguish that. I know years ago I heard a, a man talking about this. I thought it was such a good example. He went up on this tall, tall skyscraper and had a little bitty handrail balcony. He's looking down the cars and people look like ants. And this thought came to him. Why don't you just jump? He just turned around and said, you jump. I'm not. <laughs> that is outstanding. Because he instantly identified this is something the enemy is bringing to me. There's no reason for me to feel bad about this. This wasn't my thought. Didn't come from the inside of me. Didn't come from God. That's right. And it helped you to respond that way. Something comes to you like that. You go, no, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to do that. No, get out of here. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Go with me to Ephesians six, please. Ephesians six. The Lord has given us amazing armor and weaponry to fight the good fight. Hasn't he? And we've been talking about it. And we've been shouting about it. If you haven't been with us, uh, go back and get the previous messages and uh, get caught up with us. How many think it would help folks to find out about their uh, uh, breastplate of righteousness? And the shield of faith. Oh yeah. We've already covered a lot of things. Taking time to go over it. But uh, let's go further today. In verse 10. Ephesians 6.10. Said finally my brethren. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. You ought to say it out loud. I am strong. strong In the Lord. Lord. I am strong. strong In the power. power Of his might. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I think a lot of people thought that said power of the devil. It didn't say power. It said wiles. Amplified brings out deceit and trickery. People of God should have zero fear of the devil. None. He is a defeated foe. How many know Jesus put the hurt on him? Did he? Did he? (laughs) When he was raised from the dead, he triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. He spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. He said, I got the keys. But what you should, what you and I should be ever vigilant and on the watch for is his deceptiveness. Him tricking you. And don't think you're untrickable. (laughs) 
He's been tricking human beings for millennia. He's very crafty. He's not stupid, like some people try to say. He's not human. Somebody say, is there is there life out there? Oh yeah, always has been. These are beings that have been around a long, long time. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not real. But a lot of those people don't want to hear about that because they say, oh, that makes me scared. Because they've seen too many Hollywood movies Amen. <laughs> of what supposedly is a, a devil or a demon. You know who inspired most of them? The devil. And you know who he is? A liar. Amen. <laughs> he's a total liar. So all the monstrous stuff that he's trying to show you. The truth is, how many know the, Bible, the truth's in the Bible? The truth is, he presents himself as an angel of light. That's how he comes. Not as some fire-breathing monster. He, he tries to pass himself off as God or an angel of the Lord. One, two of his favorite things is to convince people he doesn't exist. And so all these thoughts and feelings and stuff that's going on, that's got nothing to do with the devil. That's, the devil don't exist. He goes, that's right, I don't exist. <laughs> but he'll keep pushing you, do it, do it, say this, do this, act on this, do this. He just keep pushing you, pushing you, pushing Or if you want to be religious, then he'll play that game. And you'll go, the Lord said that you should. Didn't he try to do that with Jesus? It is written, it's in the Bible. He'll give his angels charge over you. So jump off of this pinnacle. Jump. Go on. You believe it, don't you? Jump. Jump. How many know you not only need to know it's written, you need to know what else is written. It is also written and rightly divide the word of truth. That's why you ought to be reading your chapter. You better be reading your chapter every day. Need to come to church. You need to get full of the word of God. So when he tries to spring some of this stuff on you, you go, hey, hey, wait a minute. No. No, I can think of three scriptures right now that just contradicts that all to pieces. So no, no, I'm not. I'm not accepting that. And you will be hard for him to do anything with. You like that idea? Keep reading. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the what? Darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Keep going. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, he keeps saying, stand against, withstand against. What do you do with the devil? You resist him. That's what you do. What did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Get out of here. That's what you do. You're not going to think about the things. You're not going to act on the things. And you tell him, get out of here. Stand having your loins girt about with truth, the belt of truth, and the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. What are fiery darts coming from the devil? They're lies. They're lies accompanied with feelings and suggestions and pressure. They're lies. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hallelujah. A sword is not just a defensive piece. All these other pieces are to protect you, prevent you from being penetrated and pierced with darkness. But you don't just stop there. You don't just armor up and sit at the house and go, ha, ha, I'm not going to get pierced. You are supposed to put on your gospel go boots. Is that right? Like we talked about. And get your blade. Which is made for offensive action. What's it made for? What is the sword of the spirit? It's not a physical something. What is it? The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Now, what we got into is seeing that the whole world outside of the church is lying under the power of the evil one, 1 John says. 2 Corinthians 4 says the God of this world 
has blinded the minds of them that don't believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. We talked about the uh, the prodigal son. And the Bible said when a certain thing happened, he repented, he came to himself. Well, where was he before that? <laughs> if he wasn't at himself, he was in an altered state of mind. He was living in a fantasy world. He thought he could take his money and leave father's house and leave all the things that uh, he had been taught of God and go to Vegas. (laughs) And he could party and be happy. And so he partied. And they did everything you ever thought of and some things you shouldn't have thought of. And they, they got all the booze and the drugs and, and everything else. And, and eventually he ran out of money. And when he did that, he ran out of friends. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't really friends. And at the same time, there was an economic crash in that part of the country. Oh, yeah. Talk about bad timing. <laughs> How many of the enemy will always lead you to the wrong place at the wrong time? But God will always lead you to the right place at the right time. Thank you, Lord. But standing out there at the pig trough, how many know that's pretty low for a Jewish boy out feeding pigs? How many know sin will bring you low? Rebellion and disobedience will bring you low. And he's looking in the pig trough thinking, you know, that piece of cornbread ain't too bad. Those shucks are not too bad. He's hungry. He's tempted to eat the pig food. And the Bible said he came to himself. And he thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? Out here at the pig trough. My daddy, the people that work for my daddy, they live good. They eat good. That's my daddy. What am I doing out here? I'm going to go home. How many of this was a change in his life? This, the whole course of his life is changing right here, right? I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my father, Father, I, I've sinned against you and against God. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just make me like one of your hearts. Could you give me a job? At least I know I'll eat good and have a place to stay. He came to himself. Now why am I talking about that? Because multiplied millions of people on this planet, hundreds of millions of people are not living in reality. They are living in an altered state of mind, they're living in darkness. Hundreds of millions. Now this is a thought. Are y'all with me? What does that mean? You don't just live in Sarasota or Branson or Minnesota or Los Angeles. You live in your awareness, in your consciousness of what you perceive to be reality. That's where you live. And that's based on what you believe to be true. And the thing is, you are a spirit being with complete freedom of will and choice. And you can believe anything you want to believe. It doesn't have to be true. There are millions that are praying to statues, praying to the spirits of the wind, spirits of this, to Mother Earth, millions in different religions, and then you got the millions that think they're superior because they have no religion. (laughs) And they're educated. They don't need the crutch of religion because they know there is no God. There is no heaven. There is no hell. Which they're going to get a rude awakening. The last breath they breathe. They think they're living in reality. But they're not. They're living in a darkened. Dumbed down state. They're not even aware. Of who they are. What they are. What the earth is. What happened in the past. What's going on now. What's about to happen. Oh but friend. God. Is what's real. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. How many remember. That at the burning bush. He said. When Moses said. Who am I going to say sent me. He says you tell them. 
I am. You am. You am what? He am too much to say in one sentence. (laughs) Fill in the blank. He's all that and more. But I am, the great I am is. Come on, sit out loud. The great I am is. If he is, he's real. Aren't you glad? You're not somewhere hungover from drugs and drunk last night. Believing lies that there is no God. There is no. Aren't you glad you're sitting up in here saved this morning? Save this name is on the Lamb's book of life. No, you don't know everything, but you know enough to know God is real. Hallelujah. And there is a heaven and a hell. There is life after this. And even though this is going on naturally, there's so much going on you can't see. Behind the scenes, spirit is real. Didn't Hebrews say, he that comes to God, if you're going to come to God, must believe. What? What do you got to believe? You got to believe that he is. What's another way of saying that? He's real. He exists. He's real. The Bible says the fear or the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. I don't care how long you've been to school, how many degrees you got. If you don't believe in God, you hadn't got out of first grade. All the stuff, people say, well, you know, all education is good. No, no. Some of the stuff they teach in classes, you'd be far better off never hearing in your life. It's lies. Just because it's 300 pages and it's in a hardbound cover doesn't mean it's true. You can write anything you want to. That don't make it true. There's all kind of stuff that's called science that's absolute lies. Well, all you got to do is look back a few years. Some of the stuff they said was scientifically proven and true. Forty years ago, they found out was not true at all. The Lord tarries as the world stands. Another 50 years from now, what do you think people are going to be finding out? A lot of the stuff that people say, oh, this is scientifically proven. They're going to go, well, we thought it was. Oops. Have you been reading your chapter? Yes. We're reading about isolation and quarantine and, and some of these things. A lot of folks think that's boring. No, come on, it's the Word of God. And it's very important. You know what's something you should remember? When this was written and given to these people, they had no concept of germs or bacteria. None. And what's God telling them? He's showing them how to prevent widespread plague or epidemic, right? He's showing them all these things. Thing after thing. And you might say, well, it just, it's gross, all that animal killing and, and all that blood. I mean, that's just gross. No, no, you just don't understand the seriousness of sin. The wages of sin is death. There's only one redemption for death. How do you redeem somebody that's destined for death? Life. Life is the only thing, only thing that's worth enough to redeem from death. And the life is in the blood. That's why all these things were necessary. Oh, but the blood of animals couldn't cleanse sin. It could only cover it. And that's why it had to be done again the next year and the next. Oh, but the spotless Lamb of God has come. And His blood didn't just cover our sins. It has washed them all away. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, if you can't get excited about that, you're still living in a fog. Now, the things we're shouting about, other folks will see it and just think we're fanatical and goofy. It's because they're still in the darkness. Hmm? If God is, is real, if Jesus is real, if what he did on the cross is true, if the blood is on the mercy seat right, mercy seat right now in heaven, which is real, and is speaking to, concerning all those who have faith in the blood, saying, innocent. They're innocent. They're innocent. They're accepted. They're justified. Oh, hallelujah. Well, if that don't make you shout, I don't know what would. Is it true or not? Is there a God in heaven? Is there a throne? 
Is there a mercy seat? There is. There is. There is. So, with all the protective armor we have, we have offensive, which is the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That is offensive. There's only one thing, not two, that is powerful enough and has the ability to pierce the darkened mind and heart of a person that's blinded by lies. It is the anointed Word of God. It is the Spirit-quickened gospel. The good news. You know it firsthand. You can testify. There was a time you were blind and did not see. But did the gospel penetrate your mind and your heart? Are you thankful? Will the feet of those that brought it to you always be beautiful to you? Yes. Well, how many think you ought to put your gospel boots on and go take it to somebody else? Either help send it or be ready to share it or help finance it or all of the above to get this light and truth penetrating, piercing into the darkness. And you know, you and I live in a generation and a time with technology where we can send the word like nobody has ever seen it before. Man, the internet is everywhere. Is that right? People can download messages and whole series in, in places where it's against the law to preach the gospel. Is that right? And so you can see as time uh, draws to a close and time is short, God is giving us tools to redeem the time because this gospel has got to be preached to every nation, every tongue, right? Every people. And then he said, the end's going to come. So what are we all dressed up for and ready to do? Get this light to other people. Now keep reading. You'll see this in this same passage. Verse 18. What do you do once you got all your armor on and got your sword in your hand? You're ready to pray. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Uh, You know, let me just give you one example. Why would you need your armor to pray? Because the enemy will come and lie to try to lie to you. Why are you praying? What do you think? You could get this from God. Look at you. All the mistakes you've made. And if you got your breastplate of righteousness on, that lie will just go, sing, ding. You'll go, absolutely God hears me. When he sees me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. I can come boldly before the throne of grace. Get help. Get answers. So you you do need your armor on to pray. And for me, here's what else you need your armor on. That utterance may be given to me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now people talk about assaulting the kingdom of darkness and, and people sometimes dress up in costumes and go up on top of hills and scream half the night and imagine that they're doing spiritual warfare. But we read scripture that talked about you can fight like you're beating the air, shadow boxing, not even accomplish anything. But this is real assault on the kingdom of darkness. What do you do? Boldly preach and teach the truth. Boldly proclaim it and make known the mystery of the gospel. Keep reading. For which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. A lot of times folks haven't understood why he would ask. Why would Paul ask, pray for me that I'd speak boldly? A lot of people today would have written back and said, well, brother, just be bold. Stir it up. Why do we have to pray for you to be bold? No, boldness is not being pushy. It's not just drumming something up in yourself. Other translations talk about freely, openly, without reservation. You know what you need for this? The anointing. I said the anointing. You know why you're bold? Because you're sure. You're sure about what you're talking about. How can you be sure without the revelation of God? And how can you proclaim it? Clearly, 
and declare it freely without the anointing. That's what he's talking about. But he said, I am an ambassador. Somebody say ambassador. ambassador. Did you know that your citizenship, even though maybe you're a U.S. citizen or from some other country, your spiritual citizenship is not U.S. You know why? Because U.S. won't always be around. A million years from now, or whatever how long it takes, there won't be any. Any Europe, any Russia, any Australian government, there won't be any U.S. government, there won't be any of that. All these kingdoms are going to become our Lord's kingdoms. Hallelujah. And the citizenship that really matters is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Philippians talks about our citizenship, our polytuma, which is citizenship, and rights that go with it, is in heaven. Somebody said out loud, my citizenship, my citizenship is, in is in heaven. Yeah, but you're not in heaven. So you are in a foreign kingdom country from your citizenship. Well, what are you doing here? You are an ambassador from another kingdom. I said, you are an ambassador. Well, ambassadors are not tied and bound to all the laws of the country that they're in. In fact, in their embassy, sometimes they they refer to it as sovereign territory. That's governed by the uh, provision and laws and protection from the country they're from. Come on, are you seeing some stuff for you? Huh? Why are you here? We have been sent. And we have been given delegated authority and power to speak on behalf of the king. We are beacons of light in a dark world. Hallelujah. Children of light in the midst of the darkness. Didn't Jesus say, you are the light of the world? Didn't he say it? Didn't he say it? While he was here, he said, I'm the light of the world. But he he left. He's in heaven. His spirit is here with us. And now we're here. And he said, he sends us. You go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Said out loud, I am am an ambassador, ambassador. a representative representative for Christ, for for the kingdom of God. God. Now you need all your armor because you're on enemy territory. Satan is the God of this world. And this whole world is lying in darkness. We are going to be, I'm convinced, so amazed when we get out of here. You know one reason I believe the Lord doesn't tell us too much about heaven? He's being kind to us. (laughs) You don't need to know too much about heaven right now. (laughs) As soon as we get out of here and we get free from this, we're going to realize how dark this place is. How evil it is. We know it's got problems. But this is all we've ever known. But it's been affected. By the curse and sin. And darkness is covering. The face of the earth. But. The glory of the Lord. Is in us. And has risen upon us. And we're to rise up. And shine. Hallelujah. And there's coming a time. When the glory of the Lord. Is going to cover the whole earth. Like the waters. Cover the sea. Hallelujah. Light everywhere. It'll be like it's supposed to be. But until then, you and I are not home. We're in a foreign land. We are ambassadors, and we've got a job to do. You believe it, saints? Look with me at a couple of scriptures. Go to Colossians, please. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
I'm here on business for the king. I tell you what, go to Philippians 2 instead. Go to Philippians 2 and 15. 2.15, he says, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Are you the sons of God? Without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse 16 says what? How, how do you shine as lights? Holding forth the word of life. Does that look like you got your sword out there? Huh? Holding forth. How do you shine as a light? In 2 Corinthians 4, we looked at this. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is the treasure? The treasure is the truth. The treasure is the light. This earthen vessel has been affected by sin and it's aging and it doesn't look that glorious sometimes. But inside here, we've got something. I said, we've got inside this mud pot is the treasure of the centuries, is the treasure of the universe. It is the light of God. It is the truth of God. And we're supposed to shine as lights holding forth the word of life. Let me read this, another translation. The Young's literal translation says, Among whom you do appear as luminaries in the world. (laughs) The Amplified says, Among whom you are seen as bright lights, stars or beacons shining out clearly in the dark world. Maybe you always wanted to be a star. Well, a star you are. Somebody say, I'm a star. I'm a shining star. Somebody had a 70s flashback right there and I picked up on that. But it's still true. You are a shining star in a dark, dark world. How many would acknowledge the world is dark? The world is dark. People believe in lies. People believe in junk. They're living in a a fantasy world. You know, the word fantastic is not really a word us Christians should use very much. Somebody said, well, this good thing happened. You go, fantastic. No, that means fantasy. That means it's not real. No, we don't live in fantasy. We don't live in what's not real. God is real. We're living in reality. We're living in the truth, walking in the light. Hallelujah. As he's in the light. Come on, say it out loud. I'm a bright light. I'm a star. I'm a beacon shining clearly in this dark world. How would you be a light? Because when you do things, it's the truth. When you open your mouth, the truth comes out. And the word comes out then you are a light. You are a light. What's the other place I told you to go, did I? Second Corinthians would be better. For now. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Second Corinthians, you'll see this same idea. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter and the twentieth verse. Actually, back up to verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Now that was on the inside. I mean if you looked in the mirror. It wasn't the outside didn't all change. But the inside did. Not just your mind. But your spirit. Then you need to get your mind renewed. And you need to keep your body under control. And all things are of God. Who's reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And has given to us. The ministry of reconciliation. 
Did you know that every child of God has this ministry? Anybody that gets serious about God and starts praying more and get drawing closer to the Lord, you're going to feel like I got a call on my life. Maybe I'm supposed to go into the ministry. Absolutely. Everybody is supposed to be in the ministry. The question is what kind of ministry? Every believer has this ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? Well, he told us in the next verse. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the light. Much of the world either doesn't believe in God or believes in some false God, or some of the ones that do They're just sure they're so bad and God's so mad at them. There's no need in them trying to do anything. And the truth is there's no longer a sin problem with the sinner. Has Jesus paid the price for all the sins? The judgment came on him. And so the problem is not God being mad at people for their sins. Amen. I had a fellow trying to, you know, uh, tell me uh, some years ago about he didn't go to church and he thought, you know, all the things he had done. And I told him, I said, there's nobody in hell for lying or stealing or drug abuse or crimes or murder. He looked at me shocked. He said, huh? I said, all those sins have been put on Jesus. Is that true or not? And he has paid the price. You know why people wind up separated from God? Because they wouldn't accept the sacrifice. And they wouldn't receive the forgiveness and the cleansing. What's our message? It's good news. For years, and some even still do it, the main message that people preached was, You sorry sinner, you sorry rascal, you're going to hell. That's not good news. I said, that's not good, that's bad news. Isn't it? And most people know it already. If, if they're messed up and they're into a lot of bad stuff, they know it's not right. You sorry, rascal, you're going to hell. We're supposed to preach what? Come on, what kind of news? Good news. What is the good news? The good news is God's not against you. He's not holding your sins against you. He's already put them on Jesus. They've already been paid for. All you got to do is receive him. Come into the flock. Be saved. Is that good news? Is that good news? That's, that's the best news anybody ever heard. What if they say, well, I don't want that. I don't believe that. Then you got bad news for them. You're going to hell if you don't change. But don't give them the bad news first. Give them the good news, right? And then if they don't accept the good news, we can talk about that. But just if they accept it, you don't have any bad news at all. Right? Give them the good news. That's the only thing that can pierce and penetrate the darkness that holds minds in bondage and hearts and lives, gripping them. In the deception of lies. Keep reading. Now then. We are what? Ambassadors. That ought to make you walk out of here a little bit straighter today. Who is that? Ambassador Jane. Maybe we need to start referring to each other. Ambassador Bob. Ambassador Joe. Because we really are. We truly are. We as ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. What does that mean? What does that mean? If Jesus was here in person. He'd tell you this. He's not here in person. He sent me. I am authorized to speak on his behalf. I am an ambassador. This is really not my home. My citizenship's in heaven. They're working on my place right now. It is nice. It is big. It would make people so mad to see it down here. (laughs) That just makes me laugh. (laughs) 
But for the time being, I'm not at home. I'm not in glory. I'm down here in this dark, curse-filled, devil-filled place. You are too. We're in the same boat, brother. Where hundreds of millions are in, uh, in darkness, believing lies. But how are they going to find out the truth? How are they ever going to get free? Same way you got free. Same way I got free. Was there an ambassador? Oh, don't you, aren't you thankful for it? Was there an ambassador that brought the good news to you? That let God use them and speak through them and share testimony through them or, or preach a message through them? Was there an ambassador one day? That you heard it and you thought, that's right, that's right, that's the truth. And I'm going to do it. I'm giving my life to the Lord. And you came out of the authority and power and control of darkness. And have been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. And we ain't going back. We're not going back. Read that verse again. Now then, we are ambassadors. Somebody say, we are, we are ambassadors. ambassadors. I, am I am an ambassador, ambassador. For, Christ. for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. He said, God is doing this with people by me and you. Through us. In Christ's stead, we are pleading with people sometimes and, and declaring to people, come in. God's not against you. He's for you. If you could fix everything by yourself, Jesus wouldn't have to go to the cross. You don't have to clean yourself up. You just need to come to him. Come in. Come in. Receive. He loves you. He's already paid the price for you. That's our job is to declare it, to share it, to demonstrate it. Verse 21. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Was he really made sin with our sin? Then we've really been made righteous with his righteousness. Somebody say thank you Lord. In closing I think. Go to 1 Timothy 3. Don't hold me to it. 1 Timothy 3. And 15. He said if I tarry long. That you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. So apparently you ought to behave yourself. Which is the church of the living God. Which is what? The pillar and ground of the truth. Another translation said the pillar and foundation of the truth. The pillar and base of what is true. Before we started this church in Sarasota, the Lord began to deal with me. I was actually watching a show on the military channel about the taking of Iwo Jima and the thousands of lives and casualties that we suffered in taking that little, they said it, it stank like sulfur and it's just a little rock out in the middle of the Pacific. Such a high, in fact, people back home were upset about it. That we paid such a price to take that little piece of rock. But what they did not know. And this is what the commentator was saying. That the generals uh, disclosed later. It was of strategic importance. Which is why it had to be taken. And uh, when when they said that the spirit of God. Just almost like you'd poke somebody. Said pay attention. Pay attention. I knew he'd been dealing with me about starting another church. And uh, didn't know where, didn't know how. And so as I heard that, they began to describe how they had to have it for, for airstrip and air base. Because the delivery of the atomic weapon, aircraft weren't that reliable. And a lot of them had lost engines. and there were, If you got that far out, there was no place to get back to. And if they lost that plane and they lost that weapon... They might not get it back before they'd have to, you know, fight so much of the more, more of the war, invade Japan and those kind of things. And that, that technology was very, very rare. If you lost it, when and how would you get it back? How long would it take? 
They had to have it. And the Lord dealt with me about that while I'm listening to that. He said, I am developing strategic spiritual strongholds. I'm placing and founding strategic spiritual strongholds. You want to say those three words with me. Strategic spiritual strongholds. There are cities and areas that are known for darkness. They proclaim themselves as cities of sin. Don't they? And there's other cities that are, it's hard to make the corner without running into a church. And there's so many believers there. You can hardly go anywhere without hearing somebody say, praise the Lord. So that's a stronghold of light and a stronghold of darkness. And we don't know the overall strategy of our master. We're boots on the ground. We don't have to know. You know what we need to do? Follow orders. Is that right? Go where we are sent and stay where we are stationed. And you can see, you can, I, I didn't see it until just uh, today. But you can see when he says the church, read it again. What is the church of the living God? It's the pillar and the ground or the foundation of the truth. Does that sound like a strategic spiritual stronghold? I hadn't seen that until today. How many of the Spirit of God, if He tells you something, you're always going to find it in the Word. It's always going to be there somewhere, some way. You and I are in an embassy. And you're also in a filling station. Or charging station. Is that right? Why? If you feel like your light's getting a little dim, bulbs may be flickering a little bit, you need to come in. I said, you need to come in to the light station, to the bright station. And how many think anybody ought to be able to come in here? You bring in your neighbors, you bring in your coworkers, you bring in somebody off the street. They ought to be able to come in here and just be inundated with light and with truth to come in and get out of the darkness, get out of the lies. And then you get filled up with bright light. And what do you do? You go out of the four walls. And you are an ambassador. You're an ambassador on the job. You're an ambassador in the grocery store. You're an ambassador everywhere you go. Shining bright. You know we sing sometimes, this little light of mine, I want to change that. This bright light of mine. This bright light of mine, I'm letting it shine. Right? I'm letting it shine. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.